0: Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand and obey God's word today. You and I, we 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 serve. And before we came to Christ, we served sin, and we might have served Socially acceptable sin. We might serve if if we walked out today. If we went to uh, the inner city and we saw people on the streets on drugs, we would say they're serving. They're serving drugs. They're serving sin. But you and I also serve. We can serve ourselves. We can serve um, our ideas of religion. There's all types of things we can serve. And the question today is, are we we serving the Lord? Where is our service? And the call is for each one of us to examine our hearts and see what we serve. You know, when we uh, get up in the morning, we have things that drive us, that motivate us. And as we examine our hearts... Uh, We have to look at what are we being compelled to to follow? What are we serving? And Paul starts in verse 15 and he says, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace by no means? So let's back up a little and look at uh, Paul's book of Romans. He begins with a uh, statement that we are all separated from God because of our sin. And then he goes on to explain how Christ is the solution, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and we place our faith and our trust in Christ, and it's through faith alone in Christ that we're saved. And in Romans chapter 6, he says, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may increase? We're saved by grace. So Paul says, should we just go on and just keep sinning so that God's grace is just magnified so that people just say, wow, God is so gracious and loving that he forgives people? And Paul says, no. In the Greek, it's meganotos. God forbid. No. Absolutely no. 100% no. Why? Because Christ died so we could be forgiven from the penalty of sin and set free from the power of sin. So we are set free to live the Christian life. And he explains that in the first part of Romans chapter 6. And now he asks the question is, we're not under the law. We are not made right by God through keeping the law. In a lot of religions, a lot of expressions of the Christian faith is based on keeping the law. You know, Norma and I were having this conversation when we were, I was picked her up from Allender. We were driving to church, uh, Norma and Chino and myself. And we were talking about uh, the many storefront uh, churches in New York. And I was just joking. I said, you know, are there as many churches? Do you think there are as many churches in Delaware as there are in North Carolina? She so goes, oh, my goodness. I don't think there's any place in the world that has more churches in North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina. And if you've lived in a different place, you kind of you see that. And, and then she said, but you know, there are a lot of churches in New York. And I was like, really? What type of churches are in New York? They have a lot of storefront churches. And we were talking about the different expressions of the Christian faith. And she was telling me about uh, the denominations that are very legalistic, where you've got to dress a certain way. And you've got to do this and you've got to cover, you know, you have something on your head and you're, you have that dress all the way down to your ankles and, and there's all these rules and you're just thinking, I'm just thinking, is this, how is that Christianity? You know, I'm thinking Christianity is grace and God's forgiveness through Christ. And, but there are people who express their faith and their whole focus of their Christianity is looking through the Bible and finding very obscure passages and building whole theologies around a list of rules that if you keep these things, and, and, and Norma said, you know, the most holy person in the whole church was the person who kept the rules the most, you know, who was the closest one to not be, God forbid, that they, a woman would wear jeans or not have her hair you know, or a man not have short hair or something. And there are expressions of the Christian faith that are very legalistic. And Paul says, we are saved apart from the law. That, you know what, doing those things are cultural. They're traditional. They're not a sign of holiness, of godliness. Because Jesus said, you know, he said to a group of people, he said, you are those who clean the outside of the cup But the inside is full of greed and lust and and hatred and all these evil things. Because God looks at the heart. God sees our very heart. And it's that standard that brings us to humility and repentance that we all need Christ. And that keeping rules and following a legalistic set of rules does not make us better than other Christians. So Paul asks the question is, since we're not under the law, since we're not keeping a set of rules to be right by God, should we just do whatever? And he says, by no means. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves, when you serve someone, when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, your slaves are the one you obey whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I remember reading a little poem when I was younger. It was written, it was written to King Heroin. And this person, you know, who had lived the life of addiction, addiction leading to the lowest of lows, just wrote this, this like poem, to King Heroin and how he served King Heroin and he served these drugs. And that's how people live. If we were to walk out in the neighborhoods around here, there are people in this neighborhood, in this, in this circumference of a couple miles that are living their life serving some form of addiction, some form of drug or alcohol, or substance of some nature, or some lifestyle, or something. They're serving something that is self-destructive. And we would, to God, see that all people are free. But in teaching this lesson today, and as praying before this, we have to look at our own hearts, because you and I serve things other than Christ. Even the most committed Christian in this room has areas of their life that God can change. There's areas of our lives that could be surrendered to Christ more fully. And Christ can be more prominent and more dominant in our life, resulting in greater love, greater joy, greater peace. And we ask the question what are the things that I'm serving? And how do I serve Christ rather than those things? You're either a slave of sin or a slave to God. This is a spiritual principle that you and I are either a slave of sin or we're a slave of God. And thanks be to God that when we came to Christ, he broke the power of sin over our lives so that we can serve God. Now here's the thing. Although we're free, what we become in Christ is the result of walking by faith in claiming the promises of God and walking in the freedom that God gives us. If we were to line up first-round draft picks for the NFL football team, and we had all these people who were first-round draft picks, they all would be f- full of potential. They all would be able to meet when they ran the 50-yard uh, dash, when they uh, caught passes, when they threw the ball. They all would be at the very top. Of their talent what makes the difference between one person and another person what made the difference between Michael Jordan and someone else Michael Jordan worked harder he says you know I've read this and you can read these things it says Michael Jordan determined that he was going to work harder than any other person in practice that never could a coach say to him apparently I read a story where one of his high school years, a coach said something about questioning his work ethic. It made him so angry and so mad that he determined that they would never say that again, that he worked extra. He went above and beyond. He, he practiced. He shot. And he was determined to win. Anytime you hear a conversation about the GOAT in basketball, the greatness of a basketball player, and the name Michael Jordan comes up, It's going to be, yes, he was extremely talented. And one of the highlights of my, you know, sports watching, you know, life has been to see him play, you know, on a basketball court, that number 23 in that red Chicago Bulls jersey to watch this man play basketball. But you know what? He looked like everybody else out there. He didn't look different. But his work ethic was over the top. And anyone who would talk about Michael Jordan would talk about his work ethic. Why do we come into the Christian faith and all have the same promises from God? That we are free from sin. We are set free. We are forgiven. We have the whole world of opportunity and things that you and I can do to live out our potential, our purpose, our calling, and all of these things in the Christian faith by simply stepping out in obedience and taking claim of what God has promised us. We don't lack. If you look at Billy Graham and what Billy Graham was able to accomplish, if you look at missionaries, if you look at uh, musicians, whoever you want to look at in the Christian faith, The only difference between A and B is one person says, I am going to take advantage of the gifts that God has given me. I'm going to use what God has given me. Paul writes over and over again in his epistles that you are blessed. You have everything that you need in Christ Jesus. We're not victims. We're not victims of sin. We are more than Conquerors. All things work together to the good to those who are called according to his purpose. To those he foreknew, he he redeemed us. He he sanctifies, he set us apart so we could live the Christian life. So we are either a slave of sin or a slave to God. And if you are in Christ, if you've given Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, trusted in his finished work for salvation, you are free, and you have the potential to walk in obedience from step to step and to grow spiritually and to overcome sins, hang-ups, hurts, habits, all of these things to, to reach the, the plan and the potential that God has for you in Christ Jesus. And it's humility to realize And and what does God expect is humility and honesty. Lord, I'm not reaching my potential. I'm dead to that sin, but I'm still doing it. Please help me. Please forgive me. Help me walk away from that. Help me grow in that area. And then when you become victorious, not to become proud, not to begin judging everyone else who's still struggling with it, but to use your victory and your success in the Lord as a a thankfulness to God and a desire to help other people and help others grow. How do I become a servant of God? How do I serve God in my Christian life? There's two things that you need to do. The first one is offer yourself to God. You know, either you offer yourself up to the things of the world, either you give yourself to things in this world, or you give yourself to God. You say, I offer myself like Hannah offered up Samuel, dedicated Samuel to the Lord, that he would be set apart to serve and and glorify God with his life. You and I could do the same thing. We can say, Lord, I am yours. You know, God, lead me where you want me to go. Send me to do what you want me to do. And then second, very simply, obey God. Don't think... The devil made me do it. I can't, I can't serve God. I can't do this. I'm unable to blah, 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 blah. No. You can obey God because Christ has set you free from sin. And if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you can walk in obedience. It's simply a matter of faith. And the more you do that, the more it becomes a habit and the more you develop compassion for other people to encourage them to do the same. Paul goes on to write in verse 7, Thanks be to God, that though you used to be slaves of sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So Paul is saying that God has communicated to you the truth of his word, and the truth will set you and I free. And when we know the truth and we believe the truth, then we're walking in freedom. God does not hold your past against you. Notice in the verse it says, Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves of sin. Now many people in this room, you've been a Christian for a while, and you've probably forgotten about the way you used to live for the devil. However, there are people who are struggling. They're struggling with feeling guilt feeling ashamed, feeling that God can't use them because of something in their past, something or a particular weakness or or mistake that has been made that's maybe limiting your thinking as to how you can serve the Lord. Well, Paul says this is nonsense. He says, some of you used to do these things, but thanks be to God that you've obeyed from the heart the truth And you've been set free. You've not only been set free from your sin, you're set free from your old reputation. You're set free from your past. You're free to walk in newness of life, and your past does not determine your future. God does not hold your past against you. In fact, He has forgiven your past through Christ, who has died to set you free and to forgive you. Your past does not equal your future. Whatever craziness you've done, and, and I've, I've talked to people who've done some of the craziest, most embarrassing things in the whole world, and people said, you know, they might laugh at it, but your past does not determine your future. You might have been a drunk in the past. You might have been addicted to something. You might have made all types of mistakes, and God can take those weaknesses and turn them into character for him so that he gets the glory. God uses people, often people who made mistakes in the past or motivated to live for Christ in the future. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am a servant of righteousness. I am a child of God. I am a servant of God. There are things that God wants you to proclaim and confess, to strengthen you. See, you know, if you listen to, uh, you know, a fighter or an athlete, you watch them play, you know, they're, they're full of self-talk to motivate themselves. They're talking, you know, they, they build themselves up to be confident. They don't walk around thinking, they don't walk around telling the person on the other side, hey, I know you're going to knock me on the ground. I know you're going to beat me. No, they're full of confidence. I remember when I was coaching football in Kansas, and I I was helping, um, I was the the wide receiver coach and the line coach, offense. And I would throw the ball and, and encourage the students and make sure they got in their stance and they didn't get stood up at the line, you know. And before the game, a lot of times I'd say, hey, are you ready? You know, and they'd be hitting them on the shoulder pads and all this type of stuff. And I remember one time this uh, number 44 told me, he said, coach, he said, you put on some pads right now and I'll knock you on the ground. I said, oh, wow, he's ready. And he charged off of the ball when it was kicked. And there was a guy, wasn't even close to the play, wasn't even close to the ball. He flattened him right on the ground. And the guy's like, why'd you do that? I wasn't even near the ball. He said, I want you to know, I'm going to be doing it to you all day long. He wanted to win. He was confident. He was trained. He was capable. He was in uniform. He had a winning record. He expected to win. Do you walk through the Christian life with confidence and boldness? The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, when you start obeying God in serving God, you're going to become confident. You're going to be filled with boldness and confidence. And I just ask that when that takes place, that you remember humility and grace and thankfulness and to help people and be careful not to make people feel bad because God is doing so much in you and through you and you're overcoming sin and you're walking in boldness and confidence which god wants you to walk that way god does not want us walking in fear and shame and regret god wants us walking in confidence and boldness and love and compassion at the same time you know it's the beauty of the meekness of jesus that he could be the son of god in all his power and strength And yet show compassion to the weak and hurting. Not to miss a beat to feel compassion for the widow and heal her child. Not to miss a beat to show mercy to the woman caught in sin. Or to the fisherman who felt unworthy. Christ was full of love and compassion. But he didn't go around thinking that he was a failure. He walked in boldness and confidence. And God wants you and I to have the boldness of Christ, to know that if we are serving the King of kings, he's going to provide what we need. A few years ago, Amy and I were teaching a Bible study over at the uh, Beechwood golf course. And we had um, a, a room that we did the Bible study in. And I remember the the, uh, owners of the country club said, hey, look, if you need anything, just let us know. Let us know what you need. We didn't lack any resource. If I needed a podium, if I needed a microphone, if I needed some overhead, a handout, anything we needed, here it is, just let us know. In fact, they would have been very upset with us if we didn't tell them that we needed something. You're in the same boat, even more so with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You lack nothing to live the Christian life. There is nothing that you need to be godly. There is nothing you lack to love people and to serve God. You have everything you need. You and I, our bank account is full. Full with the riches of Christ, to do what we need to do to love people, to love God, to serve God, to live the Christian life, to overcome sin. We just need to say, Father, this is what I need. And God will give it to us. God loves us. God cares about us. We need to storm heaven to pray that every single person that's not in this room that's been sick is, recovers and gets back fully, fully better. We need to pray. I spoke to Mike today and I'm praying, I'm praying. God, clear up those lungs and heal him and restore him. I need to make sure this thing works right. I need to make sure it has batteries. We need him here. You know, he wants to be here. And we're praying, we're believing God that God's going to heal him and restore him and the people, the other people who are not here who've been sick, or you know, God will restore them. God is a good God. We need to pray and walk in confidence. The world is full of fear. Amy was reading some story to me about some, they've got some virus uh, mutation or something in Africa now. It's got so many letters and it's like 017B24. What in the world? You know, it sounds like something, you know, it sounds like some of the complicated names for my teeth. Dr. Grant, (laughs) you know, it's complicated. It's like a whole new language. And then I read another article by somebody else just this morning saying, oh, this, that one's mild. They're they're way overreacting. Where New York's not, I mean, New York has declared a state of emergency, I think I read, a state of emergency for something that's in Africa, you know? And, And you know, the thing is, is fear is running everywhere, and, and one group is saying it's a conspiracy, and one group is saying we need to lock down everything. You know, what, what do we need? How do we know what's right and wrong with these things? We need the word of God and live the Christian life and just follow Christ and trust God that these things be wise, use wisdom, you know, make rational decisions. But at the end of the day, we can't worry about everything that's thrown our way because it's coming from every direction to make us a slave of fear, a slave of fear. God wants to set us free from that so that we can be a slave of Christ, not a slave of lust, not a slave of greed or money, not a slave of fear, but free, free to serve God in peace, love, and joy. Paul says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of our human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to do righteousness leading to holiness. See, when we sin, it takes us further than we ever want to go. Sin keeps us longer than we want to stay. It takes us further away from God than we want to go. Sin is never satisfied. My brother, one time we were talking, and he is, uh, my brother Glenn is a pastor, and he is blessed with um, a ministry to help people, um, you know, youth and marriage and family and And I was talking to him one time. We took a bike ride. I think it was the last time I took a really long bike ride because I drank a uh, Coca-Cola before I took the bike ride. And we were riding in Raleigh. And Raleigh's a little different from here. There are not a lot of hills in the Hoski. Raleigh is full of hills. And I started going up and down those hills, and I had to stop so I could throw up because that Coca-Cola worked on me. And I was sitting there after doing that, just catching my breath, and my brother was laughing at me because he's six years older than me, and he he wanted to make it known that he was in better shape than I was on that bike. And so after a while, I wanted to change the subject because I didn't want to hear about my uh, getting tired riding a bike. And and I was telling him about a friend that was struggling in his, in his marriage. And, um, you know, my brother was telling me, he said, Tell your friend, you know, lust is never going to be satisfied. He's not going to find what he's looking for and what he's doing. It's never going to be satisfied. It's always going to want more and more of you and take you further and further away from what you want to be and leave you unfulfilled and unhappy. And that's what Paul is saying, is that impurity and and unrighteousness is never satisfied. Serving impurity... And lust will never satisfy you. Serving Christ leading to holiness will satisfy you. God has designed us to hunger and thirst for him. And if we don't meet our needs in him and in a relationship with him, we will not be fulfilled. And it will take more and more to try to feel something that we can't feel with a substance or an addiction. And God wants us free from these things. God wants the church free from these things. And he wants the community to be able to find strength in the church, to find deliverance and freedom from these things. I am praying that men and women, young and old, would begin to love God the way they once loved sin. I've seen people serve sin with their whole heart in my life, as you have I've seen people devote themselves to all types of evil and wickedness. May may it be God's will for us. May we be such that we pursue God the way we once pursued sin. May we yearn and long for God in his righteousness and his holiness, the way the world craves evil and sin, so that they'll see in us a love for Christ, Rather than a love for the world, not a desire to rationalize or justify what is evil or to sweep it under the carpet, but a desire to be free from it and to walk in holiness and purity and forgiveness, love, and mercy. When you were slaves to sin, Paul writes, you were free from the control of righteousness. When you didn't belong to Christ, when you belonged to the world and sin was your master, there was no expectation, and I don't expect people in the world, you know, to live like Christians. I wouldn't expect to go to a rock concert where people were smoking, you know, marijuana and just doing all types of things that are evil and unholy. I would not expect those people to be reading Bibles, trying to uh, worship God, or do any of those things because they made their allegiance known that they serve the devil. They're not trying to serve Christ. But when we come to Christ and when we come into the church and it is our desire to serve God, we must serve God with the same type of intensity and passion and love. We must. And how do we do it? Well, if we compromise, if we bring, if we bring sin into it, if we have sin in our heart, unconfessed sin in our heart, it will hinder our worship. And we must ask God to forgive us and to cleanse us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that in purity in Christ and the righteousness of Christ, we can grow in boldness and confidence, not judgmentals, not a judgmental spirit. And what is, what is judging? What does that mean in the Bible? when we say that. Well, here's what God wants us to do. God wants us to set an example and walk in purity and holiness and to love other people. And he wants to address of those who are brothers and sisters in Christ and who desire to be accountable and teachable, God wants us to address specific issues That particular issue, God does not want us to condemn the whole person. There's a difference. If I come up to someone and I say, Hey, I noticed this particular situation. You asked me to hold you accountable. And I noticed this particular situation that you are free from, that you are forgiven of. I want to encourage, bring it to your attention so you can break free from that particular situation. You're right. I want to be free. I feel terrible about it. Let's pray together, break free from it, and move on. That's not judging. This is judging. Wow. Did you hear what they do? They're such a sorry person. God can never change them. They're a horrible person. They're just this. They're just this. That's all they are is no good. That's judging. Because there's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no call to, brother, sister, let me help you overcome this sin. Because you're free from it. In Christ, that's, you're, this man must be doing that by the devil. This man, that's what the Pharisees did to Jesus. This woman is evil. This man, this woman, what are you going to do to them? How are you going to punish them? They're horrible. They're evil. They need to be stoned. They're no good. That's not mercy. That's not love. That's not grace. That's judging. You and I are free from sin, but we need one another to encourage us to walk in that freedom. You need relationships where people look at you and you know them well enough to say, "Hey, brother, sister, do you see where do you, do you see an area in my life that could change, that could improve, where I can grow, where I can become more like Christ? Do you see, you know, it's the Michael Jordan coming to the coach. Is there anything in my game that could be better?" Is there anything in my shot that could improve? No coach is going to say, no, Michael, you stink. You're sorry. You're lousy. You'll never win. You'll never amount to anything. No. No, there's a level of respect. You are a great basketball player. You are a child of God set free from sin, free from sin to be alive in Christ and to walk in holiness and purity. Don't stumble down to that level. You are better than that through what Jesus has done for you. You don't need to live that way. Let's help you. Let's grow. Let's improve. The basis of the Christian life is God forgives and God changes a man or woman. God forgives and God changes a man or woman. And we want to see other people changed. If they're outside the world, they're not our responsibility. We're praying that they come to Christ. They don't have a relationship with Christ. They're not under the control of righteousness. If they are a Christian and they want to serve, and they want to serve God, and they say, I want to be teachable and accountable, and I want to be discipled, then we speak the truth in love mixed with encouragement. Paul says, don't overwhelm somebody. Point out a weakness. Help them overcome it. Don't push them down and condemn them. Tell them the truth. Help them. Do it in love and compassion. And James write, as if you yourself were enslaved to the same sin. James says, pull some out, despising even the garment that's corrupted. You know, pull them out, help them, help them grow, pick them up. When you see them down, remember that, you know, you've stumbled, you have weaknesses. Help the person out, encourage them, dust them off, love covers a multiple sin. Don't be eager to expose them and embarrass them, you know, but gently restore them so that they can serve the Lord. And the thing is, is don't be the one who goes around and talks about everybody else doing things and never takes the time to talk to the person. You know, since I've been in the Hosky, I've been here for a while. I have never had a person come to me and point out a weakness in 17 years of being here. But God knows I've been criticized. God knows I've been criticized. Not one person has set me down and said, brother, I'm concerned about a weakness I'm concerned about this particular sin. No. It's been judgment, condemnation. And you know what? There's probably several people in this room saying, you know what, Pastor Mark? I feel the same stinking way. I feel the same way that I've been judged. I've been criticized. I've been put down. And not one cowardly person has ever spoken to me and says, I'm a little concerned about this weakness. That should never be. This story should not be ringing so true in your ears. We should be a culture that if you love people, you can talk to them in love. If you truly love them, if you truly want to help people and see people change, if your only motive is to point the finger and judge people, you know, I would say that first off, you're missing the whole mark that Christ loves you and wants you to make a difference in this world. And what you're doing is very quickly people are going to realize what somebody told me one time. He said, uh, he said something about a dog bringing a bone, taking a bone. I don't know what that meant. But he said a dog that will bring a bone or take a bone or bring it, something like that about a dog and a bone. But when I asked him, I said, what do you mean by that? He said, if somebody talks about you, Now, if somebody somebody talks to you about someone, that person is talking about you to someone else. Let's not be like that as the church of God. Let's not be like that as the people of God. Let's limit our, our involvement with people to praying for them, encouraging them. And if they're in our community and we have a relationship with them and they're open to being teachable, we, we help them overcome sin because they're children of God who are called to a righteous life, not a life of compromise and failure. What benefit did you and I reap at the times from the things we're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. When we were serving sin, none of that is a benefit. I don't miss any of it. It wasn't good for me then, and it wouldn't be good for me now. By now you've been set free from sin and become slaves of God. And benefit, you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. As children of God, you and I are on the path to growing in holiness, receiving an eternal reward in heaven. And Paul says the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have been given eternal life as a gift. And as we receive that gift, the goal of the Christian life is to simply live by faith what God already sees us becoming and inheriting in the kingdom of God. We cannot serve God unless we have a relationship with him through Christ. You cannot serve. Everything I've talked about today, serving God and living for him, is based on having a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. How do you have a relationship with Christ? First off, you are a believer. You believe a couple things. You believe Jesus is the Son of God. And you believe that that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and then you believe that that Jesus rose from the dead breaking the, the sin of death you know setting you free from the power of sin and then something stirs within your heart and you say i want to follow and obey the son of god and jesus says come follow me i've made the way possible by what i did on the cross and you come to christ in faith and receive his forgiveness that forgiveness leading to eternal life but giving you a life of hope forgiveness and freedom so that you can live the christian life and follow and obey christ as your lord and savior now how do you how do you work this out I put, put together just a daily confession that I encourage you to do. I do a lot of things like this myself. I say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven and have power over sin. I say that as a believer... Not just as someone coming to Christ, but Lord, I have power over sin. God said that in his word. That's not being arrogant. That's not thinking you're better than other people. That's simply saying what Jesus has said, that he will give you power over sin. He will forgive your sins if you will come to him and receive him as your Lord and Savior. And I say, I want to follow and obey you today and the rest of my life. I promise you, if you will take these four statements and say them boldly every day, if you will pray these things, if you will focus on these things, God will do a work in your heart. He will make you more loving and compassionate to people. You'll have more energy to talk about God than you will about other people. You'll be praying for people. The only thing we need to be concerned about other people is praying that God would save them or help them be more holy. God doesn't want us going around trying to destroy people and hurt people with our words. God does not want us doing that. There's nothing in Scripture that would encourage you to go from person to person in the town of hosky telling people how bad other people are. That's ungodly and unholy. Why are people flooding the streets, running around? Why are things so many things get back to people that they've said about other people? We should be talking about the God of heaven and worshiping Christ and not complaining about other people. When you stand before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he is not going to get the lowdown on six or seven people in your neighborhood. He's going to ask you, what are, do you did you follow and obey me? Am I your Lord and Savior? Well, my brother... He's not going to be concerned about that. You and I need to be concerned about our relationship with Christ. And we need to walk in that relationship with Christ and leave other people alone. Set an example. If you have accountability with that person, speak the truth in love. Leave them alone. For the name of, for all that's right and pure, I encourage you to do that. Finally, how do you follow and obey Christ? Read and hear his word with a teachable spirit. Pray for understanding from the Holy Spirit and obey his word. I used to think, how do I obey? And then one day I was just sitting there. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, just obey. It's not that complicated. Either you do it or you don't. If, you tell, if the coach says, hey, I want you to go up to the plate and I want you to bunt the ball. That's all he wants you to do is go up there and bunt the ball. It's not something you have to think about, try to figure out. When we read something in the Word and we understand it, God wants us to do it. God wants to obey Him. And you have all the promises of God that you are created in Christ Jesus to do Good works. God has set you apart to be obedient to Him. What should I do when I sin? You and I, we're not going to be perfect, folks. When you mess up, what should you do? Ask God to forgive you. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I talked about that person. I shouldn't have done it. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. We've talked about people we shouldn't have talked about. We've been unforgiving. We've been vindictive. We've been selfish. We've been dishonest. We've done all of those things. And by walking with Christ, you're going to start to become aware of those things. And when you are aware that you've done something wrong, ask God to forgive you. And then repent. Repent means you you say, I'm not going to, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to do that again. Lord, forgive me. I don't want to do that again. I'm going to go in the other direction. Seek out accountability with other believers. Develop relationships with people that will encourage you and hold you accountable. You know, I think I shared, I either shared uh, Wednesday night or I shared last Sunday. A friend of mine, a couple, um, well, it wasn't a couple, it was about almost two years ago, came to me and said, I'd like to be, um, I'd I'd like for you to be my accountability partner. And he said, These areas of my life concern me. So we started praying about them. I, I talked to him uh, this week, and he said, you know, God, all of those areas, all of those areas, God has given me complete victory, 100%. He says, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but God has helped me overcome every one of those areas, 100%. I just want to thank you for being my friend. For, I really said, well, I, really do, I didn't do anything other than just listen to you. That's all I did. And what's the difference between him and somebody struggling with a sin? He took the steps to get that accountability. He asked God to forgive him. He repented. And he, put, he humbled himself to share his weakness with another brother. And we, we encourage and we protect. We protect other people from trying to come in and judge this brother and spread this everywhere, and poison everything, and expose, and condemn, and destroy, that's the work of the devil. The work of the church is to protect, to help restore one who struggles, to encourage, and lift up, and believe, and I'm believing that God will turn that brother into a voice for that weakness, that God will turn that weakness into his strength. I believe he's going to do it. I believe he's going to help other people walk in freedom. I believe God is going to use him. I believe God is going to be able to use him to share his story with other people struggling with the same thing. I believe he's going to have great compassion in that area. But what he's not going to do is walk around and talk about how great he is and how everybody else is so horrible. He's not going to do that. He's going to walk in love and humility because it's already taken place. I encourage you to do three things today to make your calling and election sure, to make sure you have a relationship with Christ, to make sure that you're growing in that relationship, and to make sure that you're turning from mistakes. When you fall, get back up and know that you're in an environment of people that encourage you and support you and will challenge you You know, there's no person that's walked in this door that said, "Hey, I have a weakness. I want to grow." That have not found people that would say, "Let me help you. Let me encourage you to grow. Let me encourage you to grow." When people are willing to change and grow and admit where they're wrong, if they are wrong, and they're teachable, you can encourage. You can build up people. That's what it takes to live the Christian life: is humility, honesty and being willing to grow spiritually and change and love and help other people in the same way. And I encourage you, if you're one of those who've been condemned, to let it go. There's no combination in Christ Jesus. Don't let someone on this earth condemn you and judge you when Jesus himself has died on the cross for your sins. God has forgiven you through Christ. Let it go in one year and out the other. Don't spend any time dwelling on that condemnation. I've known people whose parents have just guilted them and guilted them. I've known people whose brothers or sisters or friends just pointed at the finger, pointed at the finger, and the people walked around just weighed down with guilt and shame. God wants to set people free from that. Jesus died to set you free. You know, you are not in the chains of somebody else's opinion of you. The only opinion that matters is what God Himself feels. And what does he say about you? Or if you're in Christ, you're forgiven. You're righteous. Well done, good and faithful servant. You belong to Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ. And God believes, God is is set a course for you to walk in holiness and purity and righteousness and to help people. And you're going to sin like everybody else. And when you ask God to, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me, I repent. You get back up and you move on. God wants you to roll into heaven, being as bold as a lion in the righteousness of Christ, not dragging up there, afraid what everybody else is going to think of you or about what people are saying about you. You are a child of God, righteous in his sight because of what Jesus did for you. No person out here is going to die on the cross for you. If all they've got is criticism and condemnation and a pointing finger, let it go. You're free from that. God has bigger and greater plans. You're saved to serve. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for you to do. No matter what people want to say about you or think about you, God has called you to something better. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.